Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Susie, do you know what today is? I do know what today is. It's September 9th, 2021. I know, and I know that you, KT, want me to say what it is, but you know how I would answer this question? Yes, I know. I would say it's the day <laughs> after our anniversary. Did you love and, yeah, everything? Yeah, and everybody, she's still in a great mood. We had a fabulous Fabulous anniversary. Fabulous day. Okay. But, um, but, today, but today is the birthday. Want to hear something weird? We have two nieces, Lauren and Katie, who were born four years apart on September 9th, the same day, and I believe within the same hour no, of birth. Exact oh, same, same hour, tower. minute, Everything exact second, which is so strange. Can you but, believe it? Four years apart. I would expect that because they are the the nieces are the daughter of my twin sister. So what would? Why would you? Because she had that? like twins, but four years apart. <laughs> think She's about a little it. late on the uptake, right? <laughs> think about it. But we want to wish Lauren and Katie a, a fabulous. Happy fabulous celebration. We know you're having a lot of fun together and we just can't wait to hear all about it. And I, (laughs) I sent them two key lime pies, their favorite. We make presents. So I made two key lime pies. What did I make? A phone call saying, happy birthday, right? That's what I'm going to make anyway. Are we ready, Susie? Wait, wait, you know what else September 9th is? At 1 p.m. today, East Coast time, September 9, 2021. Remember, at 1 o'clock is the long-term care webinar by Phyllis Shelton. You can register for free at buddy, B-U-D-D-Y-I-N-S dot com. Buddy Insurance, short for insurance, I-N-S dot com. And register there, and there you go. All right. Ready, Susie? I'm ready. First question is from Jill. And (laughs) it was funny when I read this, it said, I'm pretty talkative, so I'm going to try to keep it short, but we'll also give you additional info. So I want to tell everyone, Jill wrote, she's very funny. She wrote short version of her situation and the long version. KT absolutely chose the short version, which is still pretty long. (laughs) So here it goes. My dad and stepmom are terrible with money. I have given them $15,000 throughout the years 
to try to make sure they don't lose their home and could pay some bills. They have zero money in the bank, no life insurance, and their only asset is their house. It's worth $293,000, and they still owe about seven or 8000 on it. However, they also owe the IRS over $30,000. That's not good. They never declared bankruptcy, never set up a payment plan, and now the IRS is garnishing part of their Social Security. I'm worried that when they die, all of their debtors will seize whatever the house is worth, and we will have nothing for funeral expenses. So, Jill, here's the thing. You have to understand that there is a very big difference between the IRS and the federal government being the person coming after you or the entity and a creditor like a car loan company or even a mortgage company, whatever it may be. So there's a big difference between the two. Now, you did not say in the short version anyway, and I see that the long version is four pages. So there you go on that one. But anyway, four pages, look at this. Right, right. So is that you don't say in the short version that they owe money to anybody else other than the IRS. So here's what you need to understand. Okay, your parents die. And now they're no longer around, their social security check isn't around at all, and maybe they still owe money to the IRS. The IRS immediately, I can tell you this, immediately will slap a lien on their home. And when you go to sell it, if you go to sell it, that lien has to be paid first before you can sell it. Now, here is what is important for you to know. A lien that is automatically able to be put on by the IRS, and it is, can only be held for 10 years from the date that the IRS assessed the fact that your parents owed tax, all right? So I don't know how long they've been having their social security check garnished. Has it been two years, three years, four years? Did it just start? But once 10 years goes by, and then listen to me closely, your parents die, and the IRS maybe puts a lien on their home, you're going to have to apply to have the lien removed as soon as the statute of limitations has passed, which is 10 years. So number one, just remember that. For any other debtor, if anybody else is owed money by your parents, to get a lien, to get that money, they have to go to court, they have to sue, and they have to win a judgment where the judge actually says, yes, you can put a lien on the property. Maybe some lenders will go through all that trouble and money will just write it off and say, it's over, they're dead. So you just have to see what happens. But either way, stop being so afraid here. You have a home that they're living in that's worth $293,000 upon their death. There will be some money there, at least to you know have them cremated or do whatever you want. But do not be worried that other than the IRS or the federal government, that anybody can just come and slap a lien and take all of the money away. Got that? It's actually very complicated, KT. Okay, I hope that helps you, Jill. 
Ready, Susie? <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm reading an article from NBC about a mutual fund called Infinity Q mm. that has collapsed. I have most of my savings in the Vanguard Wellington Fund. Is it risky to put most savings into one fund? This troubles me because I thought that mutual funds were already diversified. Can you please explain what the average investor can do or what they should know to protect themselves when choosing funds? Good question. What is this person's name? Christine. Christine. It is true. There was and possibly still will be a mutual fund by the name of Infinity Q. And they totally collapsed because the stocks and the investments within the portfolio, according to some people, were not being valued correctly. So they came in and they did all kinds of things. And so right now, everything is done. And you, if you have money in Infinity Q, you cannot get the money out. So it's just a big bummer that that happened. However, not unpredictable. If you had looked at the holdings of what Infinity Q was doing and what they held within the mutual fund, you probably would not have invested in it. But so many people, and because people with big money went into that fund, other people were like, well, so-and-so did it, so maybe I should do it. They're returning about 9.5% a year on money, which actually isn't as good as what did go on in the actual stock market. But that's besides the point. And so you have the Vanguard Wellington Fund, which is an incredible mutual fund. Look at the stocks that Wellington owns. And they're everyday names, names that you have heard, investments that are traded on the New York Stock Exchange, and so on and so forth. So you're fine. But Infinity Q was made up of many very unusual and speculative investments. And that's what happened to them. And a lot of people got caught in it because they didn't understand what they were investing in. So yeah, mutual funds can absolutely, totally go down and, and be in big trouble, but not if they're invested in really great quality stocks. Yeah. Did that explain it, Katie? Yeah. Because this was such a complicated story. Do you know that company? Right, well, the reason I'm so mad at this company. Yeah, you sound really mad. Well, I am because they're withholding $750,000 of the investor's money to pay their own legal bills. Hmm. That's so that means the investors are going to have to pay the legal defense of this company that really did screw them. And so it's just, yeah, so I'm mad at them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, All right. See, there you go. <laughs> All right. The next question is from Leslie. Hi, Susie. Thanks for all you do for us. I have a question about purchasing a property that we can also downsize to when it's time. My husband and I are 64 and 62, respectively, and are in relatively good health. We have a home worth $300,000 with $80,000 remaining on the mortgage at 2.78%. Our monthly payments with taxes and insurance are about $950. In 10 years or when one of us passes, we plan to downsize. So they have two businesses they currently run out of the home. The husband teaches music to about 50 students a week, and Leslie publishes books. 
Together we gross about 60,000 a year. They gross. They gross mm -hmm. about 60,000 a year. So we have about $5,000 of credit card debt. We have about 7,500 in savings and about 100,000 in a traditional IRA, 94% stocks. And then she has this, this part I don't like, Susie. Um, Leslie has a student loan debt with about $50,000 left. Wait, do I have this right? That they want to sell the home? No, that they, they don't want to sell it yet. They just want to buy. Oh, denied. Yeah, they want to buy denied. a small property. Denied. Hold on, let me tell I you. Don't I have, don't read I the didn't, rest it's, of this. She's, it's so denied, it's not even funny. They want to buy this for 125000 from a family member. And they want to use this home, this little home on property to expand their business. Then later when they're ready, sell the big house. Denied. And then move and downsize into this little house. Can I say it one more time? And then it says, Denied. At our age, is this an appropriate risk to take? Denied. Denied. There we Denied. go. Next question. No. All right, Leslie, listen to me. If you wanted to sell your home right now, which would be pretty smart to do if you ask me, take that money, buy this house outright and downsize right now and decrease your expenses right now. And maybe pay off some of that debt, right? And, and pay off, you know, your student loan debt, your $5,000 of credit cards, whatever it may be. I don't have a problem with that if that was your plan. But to keep both Absolutely not. You do not have the money to do so. Plus, you don't have where you're going to get the down payment. It's $7,500 in savings. You're grossing $60,000. No, this is too much risk for you to take on. Why are you waiting for 10 years to downsize? Why are you doing that? Or for one of them to pass. Right. You might want to, you know, find out that you could actually make more money downsizing now, not even take in as much income and still be ahead of the game because your expenses are so much less. Just something to think about. But bottom line, denied. All right. Next question is from Gina. I love this question, Susie. It says, hi, Susie, KT and team. Thanks for what all team. I, our team, Robert's our team. Oh, okay. Hi, thanks Robert. For, <laughs> thanks for all the resources <laughs> you provide to your fans. I'm in my mid-30s and in a six-year relationship to a man in his early 40s. He works in Hollywood as a backslash. I already know where this is going. Ready? Mm -hmm. He's a writer, actor, director, oh, I producer. I so know where this is Wait, going. This translates to someone who does not have a guaranteed or stable income. But spends Good. like he does. Go Wait on. a minute. Good thing he is fun and charming. Now just be patient. Let me finish. So since we've been together, he's worked part-time at best. Wait, they're not married, are they? No. Oh, thank God. All right, go on. And is continuously in twenty or 80000 of credit card debt. He consistently spends more than he earns. I told you so. so. Wait a minute. He's gone on several trips, vacations with the guys in spite of the fact that he's in debt and not pursuing work. Ready for this? We've gone to therapy together after he expressed a lot of anxiety over his financial situation. Yeah, after but, she was complaining wait, about I it. I think Go that on. was the actor side of him. But what <laughs> what ends up happening <laughs> is, okay, that, okay. is that he 
changes for a month or two, then he feels it's too hard to go back to his old ways. That's the producer side of him. <laughs> Ready? I deeply strive for stability in my life. What is and the I question? Am, I'm a good saver, hard worker. She Then she goes on to say everything she's back. I'm wondering how I get through to him. Wait, I have the answer. And also, I'm being. Am I being unrealistic to think that he will ever change his yes. unhealthy financial yes, you habits? Are. Yes, you are. At what point does a woman give up and just accept things as is? Never. Ready? Wait. Here's my advice to Gina: time to slash the backslash boyfriend. <laughs> Don't you love that line? Why, why did you do that? That's my KT's advice. Time to slash. Oh, the back yeah, slash. Oh, that's, that's great. very good. That was very clever. Gina, remember how I always say that most people ask a question that they already know the answer to? KT answered that for you. I'm surprised, actually, it's taken you six years to get that. Um, he can't be that much fun and cute and everything like that. You already see it. The writing's on the wall. Leave now. Slash it. Slash it. Slash Seriously, I would so slash it. And you're so young. You're so young. You're in your mid-30s. My goodness. Yeah. Gina, there's a whole lot of out there in the world. Go for it, girlfriend. Next question is from Jasmine. My question is regarding my aging in-laws. They're 82 and 81. They live together on an acre property but have health issues. Everyone in the family takes an active part in taking care of them and making sure that they get to their doctor appointments and that everything else they need is in place. They're comfortable financially with a house that has been paid off and retirement accounts and pension that more than support their everyday needs. The problem is their accounts are all over the place and mostly not giving the optimal return on their money. Aside from opening the Alliant Credit Union accounts, how else can we consolidate their accounts that would still be safe and make them feel secure? Also, Susie, this is a great question. How do you suggest we broach the subject to them about their must-have documents? Ugh. My mother-in-law made me promise not to put her in a nursing home when the time comes that she could no longer take care of herself. And then this is in all caps bold, everybody. It says, and I would like to keep that promise to her. What would you suggest we do to prepare for when that time comes? She only has two children, my husband and his brother, and they both love their mother very dearly and would share in taking good care of her. This is such a great question. It's so heartfelt because we've all been there. You made a promise. That's a very, very difficult promise to keep unless there is a significant amount of money to make sure that can happen. Let me tell you why. You want your mama to live at home with you, and she wants to live at home with you as well. And now as time goes on, she's needing more and more help. She needs somebody to pick her up and transport her, to feed her, to change her, to do everything. You cannot leave her alone for one second. 
So you need to go to the store, you need to pick something up, you have to take your mother with you, or somebody has to be there. The problem is, you can have full time help. But then what happens if that help doesn't show up that day, which happens more than you have any idea. So what I would suggest is this, they're having health issues. Why not sell the property right here and right now that they live in and move them both to an independent living facility? That's exactly what happened with KT's parents, my mother, Mm -hmm. where there's a beautiful apartment, they get to live there, they're living their life, they're making new friends. And things happen when you have an elderly parent at home. I know, my parents did it with their parents. I mean, just things went on. We tried to do it really with my mother couldn't even happen that way. So here's the key. To go into an independent living facility, you have to show that you can be independent, that you're not ill, you can do all the activities of daily living, that you're really, that you really can be independent. So now they're going into this place that they're enjoying, that they're independent. And if something does happen, then either help can be brought in within that facility or Many of these places have other levels of care, which also is the assisted level of care, the skilled level of care. But your mother, I was calling her your mother. I get that she's your mother-in-law, but I'm just going to call her your mother. I just like that better, right? So that, but that with, you know, your mother, once she gets used to being in that place, especially with your father, It'll be so much easier on her if your father dies first and easier on him if she dies first. It's they're already in their home and they don't have to move. So it's not like there's two losses, the losses of their love of their life and the loss of the house that they were living in. So downsize now and look into that. And I'm telling you, it will be so much easier on you. I can't even begin to tell you. Right. And probably happier for them. In the long run. Absolutely. They make new friends. Yeah. They they have their own community. We would want to go over and we could say, can we come over tonight, Mom? No, No, I'm busy. Busy Busy doing what? (laughs) Oh, uh, so we have a concert. We have have this, we have that. that. Anyway, okay, there you go. Susie, let me ask you a question. What? If I, if, um, if anything happened to me, would you want to go to a really great assisted living facility, like some new ones that they're being built? Uh-huh. <laughs> so you made Can your... you just do the next question? <laughs> All right, next question. <laughs> Don't make me think about that. All right, this one's from... I more, seriously, KT, I probably would get a boat that had a lot of people to take care of me if I were at that stage. And I would just say, sail around the world, do something. So I could just stare out and see if I could see you swimming out there somewhere. (laughs) All right. right. Next question is from Marlena. Dear Susie and Katie, I'm confused as to how my husband and I should take title to our home and rental property. Both properties are in California. Currently, the title to our home, which is a condo, is community property. And our rental condo is JTWROS. 
What does that mean, Katie? I have no idea. Quizzy. I am uncertain which title is best in our situation. I believe that I should have the title to both properties and community property due to the step-up basis. Am I correct? We're currently refinancing both properties and in the process of completing our must-have documents. Since we will be transferring the title to our living trust, is it best to make the title changes before closing our refi? Confused, Marlena. So first of all, whenever you're about to refinance or finance a piece of property that you are purchasing or refinancing, first, just do it in your individual name. Because some banks are just wonky and they don't want to finance or refinance something that's in trust. After it's in your individual name, you have gotten your financing and everything, then transfer it into the title of the trust. So there's that answer. Now, obviously, KT, you do too know what joint tenancy with right of survivorship is. Oh, That's what those that. initials are, joint tenancy, J-T-W-R-O-S. So there are many ways one can take title. If you take it with joint tenancy with right of survivorship, then the two of you own property. It, you don't have to be married. It can just be any two people can own the property. And upon the death of one, the surviving joint tenant automatically gets your half of that property, goes immediately to him or her. No probate, nothing done. Another way one can hold property but that's only true if you live in a community property state. And the other way you can own it is community property with right of survivorship. The difference between the two is that if you own property in joint tenancy with right of survivorship, you and somebody else, you bought the property for $300,000, you each have a $150,000 cost basis on that property. One of you dies, the other inherits your half, the new half, you get a step up in basis on their half. So if the property now is worth $400,000, their half is worth $200,000. So on their half, you get 200000 You still have your half, which is 150000 So your cost basis in this home is $350,000. If you owned it in community property with right of survivorship, you get a step up in cost basis on both halves at the death of one of you. What does that mean? So we buy KT a piece of property, let's say when we lived in California. And we did do this, by the way. And we owned it in community property with right of survivorship. Let's just say this property was worth a million dollars. Say that's true. $500,000 was yours, cost basis, 500000 mine. You die. This house is now worth, rather than $1 million, it is now worth $9 million. It's possible. Okay. Okay. Normally, in joint tenancy with right of survivorship, your half would be worth $4.5 million. My half is still only worth $500,000 because I didn't die. Oh. In community property, property, when you die, I get your half 
at four and a half million and I get my half reevaluated to four and a half million, my new cost basis on this property is $9 million if that's what it's worth. So when I turn around and I sell it and I sold it for $9 million, I wouldn't have to pay any income tax on it. Wow. That's why. That's great. Yes, so- rental property, wherever you live, if it's a community property state, you should own all your real estate if you are married and you own it with your spouse, community property with right of survivorship. Wow, that's great to know. Okay, next question. This is somewhat similar. Well, this isn't similar, but it's also about real estate and a living trust. This is from Pamela. So Pam says, I'm 60 years old and I'm a divorced woman. I have two grown daughters and four grandchildren. I live in the state of Indiana. This year I was diagnosed with breast cancer and decided it was time to update all of my documents. I met with my attorney and updated my will and asked about a living trust. She advised me that because I set up all my assets Mm -hmm. to transfer upon death to my heirs, I do not need a living trust. So what are your thoughts on this, Susie? So upsetting. It's not even funny. Pamela, I want you to listen to me. It's true. You could have your um, bank accounts. You could have your piece of real estate, everything you want. You can have it set up with transfer on death. And it would absolutely avoid probate and it would go to whoever it is that you want to leave those assets to. So fine, you now listen to this attorney and a year goes by or two years goes by and now you have a massive stroke. And now you cannot really speak anymore. You really can't communicate. You can't recognize anybody. And now you need access to the money. Your house now needs to be sold. Oh, money needs to be taken out of your bank account to pay for a nurse or whatever. Can those where it's transfer on death or pay on death upon your death, they get all this. Can they do anything? Oh, no, they can't because you're not dead. When you do the must have documents, Yes, you also avoid probate and all of that, but these must-have documents, especially in the revocable living trust, has an incapacity clause. And what that clause says is that if I become incapacitated, KT can sign for me. If KT becomes incapacitated, I can sign for her. If both of us become incapacitated, then X, Y, and Z can sign for us. So we've taken care of that. And that can happen more often than you think. So once you've died, and I've said this before, all right, you don't have to see the mess that's left behind on any level if you didn't set things up correctly. But when you don't want to see that is while you're alive and it affects you. So you might just go back to your attorney And you might just simply say, but what if this happens? What if that happens? A good attorney would have known that. So Susie, where's my quizzy? Oh, you want a quizzy? Yeah. 
Oh, we're too. We don't have enough time. That's why I'm looking at. So I'm She's pointing. Looking. She I'm has pointing. a quizzy in her hand, but she won't do it because we're way over time. So until Sunday, tune in. Are you happy that you don't have a quizzy? I'm real happy. You would have gotten this one <laughs> so right. I can't okay, even read tell it. you. No, no, I okay. have to hold it. All Maybe right. we'll do it Sunday. But until then, everybody, you ready? I'm going to do an oldie goldie. We're going to take it out, Susie. Don't you want to say one more happy yeah, birthday? Yeah, happy birthday, girls. Lauren happy and birthday, Katie. Katie, Lauren. Have a great day, girls. Love each other up. Yeah. And have fun. Save me a piece of that pie. Ready? People first. You're going back to my old. People first. Is this first. how you want me to take it out from now People on? People first. Then money. No, here's how it goes. Ready, Katie? Yeah. Now, until next time, there's only one thing that I want you to remember, and it's this. People first. Then money. Then things. Now you stay safe. See you Sunday, everybody. Bye-bye. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.